Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Sherlock's podcast with me, Georgie Corridge-Cole. This week, I'm joined by Maya Lucky, Astrid Carter, and blogger, author, Anna Whitehouse, better known as Mother Pucker. Hi. Welcome, Anna. Hi. And I have to confess that we do have little baby Evie. Yeah, in the corner. In the corner Baby's in the corner. So if there's a bit of squeaking, then it's because we've got a little person with us, so hopefully our listeners won't. It might not be squeaking either. She's very sweet. <laughs> she's, quite, she's quite comfy so far in her bugaboo B. Is that? Yeah. It's a good one. I had one yes. of those with... Oh, no. there, we there we are. <laughs> right on She's like, get me out. Get me anyway, out. Anyway, well, while she's gone quiet again, Anna, let's talk about TV. Are you a TV watcher? Do you have time for TV? Uh, yeah, I mean, in the evenings. I mean, we don't go out, out anymore. We are very much in. in. Like, <laughs> I've invested in a new sofa this year because I'm like, that's where I spend most of my time. I'm like, I'm not worrying about shoes because I don't walk anywhere anymore. It's like sofa. Uh, yeah, watching Black Mirror at the moment. Bloody love it. I've watched that too, yeah. I've watched one episode, but yeah. I've watched one episode. I actually watched one episode in advance of today. Starts yeah. on Channel 4. And now it's on Netflix. Um, and Netflix, yeah. I think. Okay. Did you watch the dating Yeah, one? so that's the only one I've watched, Hang the DJ. Hang yeah. the DJ was, yeah, I think that's the best one out of, that and Crocodile uh, was amazing. So so the premise is, have you only watched one? And I've just dived straight in. So Tamara Law, the founder of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, came in for a podcast. Yeah. She was raving about Black Mirror. Yeah, she was. I, don't, I didn't really know anything about it. I just dived straight in. What are we in the future here? It's the end, basically. It's kind of yeah. this dystopian right. thing. Everything is kind of held together by the technology theme, isn't it? Yeah. So. It's, I found it a bit depressing, I think. But that's kind of it's, it's the, the black. Point, it's looking in yeah. the fu- into the future. It's looking into the mirror where... <laughs> isn't it, Evie? It's for your generation. <laughs> it's looking at uh, the darkness of social media and technology and where we're going with it I suppose um, so I read apparently because I always thought this I thought Black Mirror yeah it's the dark reflection of society like that's why it's called that I read that it was because your phone screen is a black mirror oh, that's, the, that's yeah, what yeah that's from. what I thought yeah that's what I read I, mean, I, I enjoyed it it didn't have me on the edge of my seat but no it's not gripping but I think it's quite it's kind of quite scary to think that maybe we could end up that way and there are so many threads of the society now in it that it's almost believable even though it is pretty ridiculous it's almost believable the one that was really got me was uh the mother that um put a chip in her daughter yes to make sure she could always know where she was and that's actually something as a parent because she'd lost her daughter and had that sickening fear of a mother uh of losing a child and so when this test was being done she's like right yeah i'm going to get that done but then she could follow her throughout her life like losing her virginity, taking drugs for the first time. Mm. Wow. And it was really chilling to watch, I think, as a mother, because you, yes, you would want to know where your child is all the time, oh, but yeah. you can't. You yeah. just can't. They were saying, oh, we had a parenting day on Friday, and someone spoke on the teenage brain. And she said, she talked about how important it was to bring your children up to feel that they could come to you and talk to you about anything. Yeah. 
and actually were like, there's anything, but it's not, Too much there's detail. not everything. Yeah. You don't want to know all the detail. No. So anyway, you would, you would advise it to someone that hasn't watched it before. Yeah. You've only watched one. I've only watched one, yeah. But I've watched all the other series. So, oh, yeah. you have? Yeah. And can you literally dip in and out? Each yes. one is yes. its own episode. Like a mini film. Entirety. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So it's episode four, which I haven't watched, um, that everyone's talking about, and the piece that we wrote okay. is about that. Anything else? Black Mirror? What else? Black Mirror, um, oh, 8 out of 10 cats. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> love 8 out yeah. of 10 cats. Can't get enough of That's it. That's just a classic, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> never really been for me. I have oh, really? Really? Is that Jimmy Carr? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I like 8 out of 10 cats does countdown. That's yeah, that's the, that's the best <laughs> one. Yeah, I didn't actually know that one. And we've been watching uh, The Demise of The Walking Dead. The final, the last series is the worst series on television, Evie agrees. Um, they, I think when a zombie film goes towards and creates a Shakespearean dreadlocked, like, overlord character who has a pet tiger, oh, you're like... They've lost it. You've lost me Like, guys, yeah. guys, you can imagine them in that brainstorming session going, okay, we've used every other plot line. <laughs> we need a uh, Shakespearean, deep-voiced, dreadlocked man, overlord with a tiger. And you're just, my husband and I are sitting there just going, we've invested so much of our time in this. You know when you're like, well, you have to go to limp to the end, and you're it's like, need, you know when you just needed to be knocked on the head a series before, and, and it makes me really sad. Ages. So I have to confess, you talk about limping towards the end, I talked about, I actually blamed Serena Gren from Suitcase Magazine. Mm. So I think Serena's great, but she mentioned Designated Survivors. She's a smart lady, so I thought, right, if Serena likes that, I'm going to start watching. As Sam said the other day, it is for her six hours of her life, she'll never get back. For me, it's nine. Yep. There are 17 <laughs> episodes. And I've been thinking for about the last four. It's just not that great. I mean, it's slow. It's just, it's a bit budget. Yeah. And my stepbrother put the idea in my head that it was a bit bricky. Oh, no. And I know, I just, I, I can't. And I'm really crossing myself. I've wasted all that time. I keep thinking all the brilliant other things I could be watching. But sometimes you just have got to quit. Sometimes you've got to put a book down. It's hard That's though. not very good. I was reading a, a book. I can't remember the name now. I'll eat when I'm dead or something. You know that fashion book? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'll eat when I'm dead. Yeah. And it's such a load of drivel. That's and I actually put that down. That's how I felt about Eat, Pray, Love. One of my friends was like, you've got to read this book. after It's so good. It's changed my life. And it was probably the shittest book I've ever read. <laughs> We've just pitched a book uh, called Nosh Boo's Bonk, uh, which is the antithesis to Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> we could not handle Eat, Pray, Love. It's just it's, yeah, it's not preached to people. Yeah. It's like just like I kept going. I was like, like like you, like you. I was like, my friend's smart, intelligent woman. Like it must get good. <laughs> kept going to the end, but no. I think you feel a bit of a failure if you don't finish a book. Yeah. I, I, a, I'm a really yeah. all or nothing person. So if I'm watching Love Island, I'm watching every episode. You're in. You're in. And the extras. <laughs> and that, you know, it takes two and whatever else. But, yeah, I really invest that time. And, and I feel, yeah, when it comes to books, I just feel like, oh, God, I, I failed and get to the end. That's really weak. I feel weak. Also on Netflix, I have been watching, well, actually, I only just last night watched the first episode of Drug Lords. Oh, I really want to watch this. So I actually was going into it thinking it wasn't going to be that interesting, purely because the first episode is about Pablo Escobar and everyone seems to watch Narcos. So I thought, I'm not going to learn anything. Mm. It's going to be exactly the same story. It is the same story, but for some reason, because Narcos is so glamorised, you, I'm still so in shock by actually like what went on. Yeah. And you forget that this is actually real life. One of the biggest mass murders of history. Like yeah. it's, so, so it's, it's good. It's really good. It's so gripping. The opening talks about how much money they were generating, and just to put it into sort of context, he bought this island in the Bahamas, and the planes would fly from... 
at Colombia to the Bahamas, where all these boats would come from Miami to this tiny island to pick up all the drugs. They'd leave the planes there, they'd just abandon them and get on the boats and drive off and never come back for the planes <laughs> because that's how much money they're making. Every four lines of coke out of five in America were from him at his height of wow. his... Let's talk about books. What's everyone reading? Anna, what are you reading? Do you have any time to read books? Well, you have time to write books. <laughs> I just Let's do talk not about read your, them. Book, your book, Parenting the Shit Out of Life. So how do you parent the shit out of life? Uh, well, I wrote it with my husband, so that was the main thing, that we wrote a chapter. It was one chapter split between the two of us, so it was the male and female perspective. So uh, when, for example... Um, he wrote about uh, getting engaged. It was like, well, yeah, you just, you know, asked her and she said, yeah, in it. And uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, God, like, he didn't ask me. And then I sort of got really angry about him for doing something. And then I just crumpled in front of the dishwasher and said, why won't you marry me? <laughs> and cried, you know, like black tears um, <laughs> yep, filled with yep. mascara. And then he's like, yeah, all right, um, anything to make this stop. Do you want to marry me? Like, yes, but not like this. And so he's like, well, I'm, yeah, I mean let's do this and uh, there was like the smell of congealed ketchup in the air and it was just reading the two sides of it he was going to propose six months down the line in Greece on a hilltop in his mind Don't but me. he just wasn't in my mind knowing that we'd been together four years and I was like nah these, these boobs aren't <laughs> getting any better so <laughs> you need to you need to cash this in um, and so I think it's really that's kind of to give an example of like the tone of it it's mm. very much the same the things we go through as women and men um, and then entering into sort of the baby territory how that kind of divides and you have to then conquer the yeah. um the the, the things yeah. the stuff i don't yeah. even want to go into it she says the knowledge the <laughs> yeah. the this stuff. and has a book been well received yeah well it was a sunday times bestseller which um was for we both are journalists and i think that's kind of the dream has always been that um you know we're always a bit worried about the the punchiness of the title and obviously my name's Mother Pucker and, you know, you can imagine going into the Penguin offices like, forget this idea. <laughs> um, but it has been well received because it's brutally honest. So we do cover miscarriage and the... Is that something you experience? Yeah, for and I think, again, the male and the female perspective on those topics is essential. Um, we had, we've had five miscarriages in the... Um, you know, having Eve and May. And the dialogue around miscarriage at the moment is very female-focused. And I think, again, it was Matt's kind of raw sadness when he was uh, crumpled kind of in a corner in the hospital room waiting for the process to happen. You know, there's no bed given to the dad. It's just they're there. And, you know, he's grieving as much as I was. So I think, again, it's, it's just about the genuine peaks and troughs of what it takes to make raise and I suppose grow a small human together mm. like we basically set out on a mission not to get divorced and that's what that's what the book is about <laughs> love it and anything you're reading at the moment Sebastian Falk's uh, Birdsong uh, I'm rereading all the books of my youth. Uh, like I'm rereading them, remembering the emotions I felt around it the first time. Like I'm reading chapters, remembering the boys I was fancying at the time, and how this <laughs> book kind of was helping remove me from the angst and the turmoil of waiting on my Nokia brick phone for oh a text. Uh, so it's kind of a it's a bit of a nostalgic look back at, at the books I was reading, sort of age between fifteen and, and twenty. Um, but yeah. I'm reading that at the moment and it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I'm actually doing a similar thing. I'm reading a book I read when I was at school, I think when I was in my A-levels. It's in the Nin book called A Spy in the House of Love. And it's um, a story, it's just a really short story of a woman and her, and four affairs she has with men. Um, and I think when I was is that she age... Married? She is married, but then she has these subsequent affairs. 
I think when I was that age, I thought I was like really cool and intelligent reading an Anin, and now <laughs> reading it, it's just completely different. And are you picking up so many things you didn't pick up? Uh, yeah, maybe what goes over your head when you're yeah. young. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't that young. I was like 17, 18. Um, but yeah, you definitely have a different perspective on it. Well, I am actually reading, I'm nearly at the end of it. I've been reading it for quite a while. The I'm actually reading Hillary Clinton's latest book. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. I don't know what it's called. No, I should know. It's been sitting on my bedside <laughs> table for weeks. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting to the end and it's getting quite juicy and now I'm on the sort of section about Russia um, and I'm on the chapter called The Budding Bromance. And I was reading it two nights ago and I had to stop, I had to, I kept reading bits out to my husband. He's like, all right, I think I've heard enough now. <laughs> um, I will read it after you. Like he's in bed with Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, but he says things, she's, she's talking about Trump and his kind of fixation with Putin and she says something like there's this bit in the book where she says in a particularly telling exchange of MSNBC's morning joke Trump defended Putin's alleged murder of journalists with Trump saying at least he's a leader unlike what we have in this country and if that wasn't bad enough he added I think our country does plenty of killing also I mean bear in mind (laughs) this man is the president of the United States she says no previous American presidential candidate would ever have dreamt of trashing our country like that or suggesting moral equivalency between American democracy and Russian autocracy no wonder Putin liked Trump and then I mean it goes on and on about this bromance and how basically all these links that Trump has to Russia Russia. and I remember thinking with the whole email thing it just seems so far-fetched actually you read this and you're like God. It all falls into place. Yeah, it totally does. Pippa, the um, conversation expert we had in the other day, said something really interesting about um, Trump and his rhetoric. Um, that, like, the average reading age of his speeches is about what did she say? Like eleven? Yeah, really eleven young. years old. Yeah, and that's why he kind of puts his point across to so many people and fools them. Whereas if you look at um, Jeremy Corbyn, his, the yeah. reading age is more like nineteen twenty. Yeah. Um, so it goes over, and that, head. it goes yeah. over people's heads. Do you worry about the future of your children? I do. A lot. Definitely, yeah. I, I worry. I think that's part of it, isn't it? Like as a parent, but in yeah, from literally listening to what you just said, I'm like, Jesus, yeah. what are we going to do? Gonna yeah. Let's move on from Donald Trump because we all know it pays to invest in our wardrobe, but what's underneath matters just as much. And it said in this piece that was written that an estimated 80% of us are wearing the wrong bra size. Now, I knew a lot of people were wearing the wrong bra size, but 80%, that suggests that only 2 in 10 people, and we can all work that out for ourselves, can't we? (laughs) But it's not very many people are getting it right. Ashley, what about you? Are you wearing the right bra size? Probably not. But I don't have very big boobs, so it probably doesn't really matter. Well, it probably does. (laughs) And how often do you buy new bras? That was the other thing that staggered me about this. Okay, yeah, I found this quite scary. I mean, I'm 25, so mine aren't 20 years old, obviously. But, I mean, I can't actually remember the last time I bought a new bra, so... That's a bit worrying. It says you should buy them every 12 months. So the average lifespan of a bra is about 12 months. I mean, okay, this was a piece written with Rigby and Pella, so, you know, they've got some... uh, Invested interest. Yeah, let's say that. But they said... I mean, I can't imagine they've just made the entire thing up. There must be a bit of method in their I mean, answers. they make bras for the Queen, so... Oh, that's true. I reckon most of my bras must be over two years old. Is I just went on a bit of a bra no. spree, I have to say. I mean, my boobs are so small now. We can talk about boob jobs in a minute. But they are so small now. I mean, I might as well not bother. <laughs> but anyway, there's nice little lace ones. I think They're the more children you have, the smaller and smaller and smaller your boobs <laughs> end up. But... Mine are um, just literally like spaniel's ears now. Like, it's, I roll them up into the bar. <laughs> Like, do you do you find that after children they get worse and worse? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, um, but I tend to buy a new bra when they start getting bobbly. 
it's an aesthetic thing yeah. over a yeah. support. I mean, what happens after 12 months? They just they stop just, supporting? I agree with you self combusts <laughs> <laughs> What happens to the bra at 12 months? <laughs> I quite like not wearing a bra, though, like in the evening. Sometimes yeah, I often don't wear a bra. If and I do you out. invest in bras? Is it something you spend money on? Yes, I, I haven't got many, but they're all nice quality bras, definitely. Yeah. No, I just find you, you know you got to practice like gym kit. It's like bras. It's like you know you got to prioritize things, haven't you? Mm. And I guess this piece is saying you should prioritize it. But I do. I use too much money. I kind of resent buying bras. Rigby and Pella are really good. I had a fitting with them, and um, because I wanted something that would take me through maternity, that I wouldn't feel like I was in some skanky maternity bra. You yeah. know, like yeah. you're going through enough at that point anyway. You can yeah. at least put you know the jugs in a nice holder, and uh, <laughs> they helped so much. Like they really know what they're doing, and in terms of fit. Like uh, they just had all these contraptions that I'd never thought about, just in terms of how they sit. So, like they would say to me, "Yours are supposed to sit sort of like a pear shape instead of like this heaving, quite technical, heaving bosom." It? And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that, they're better like that. It, it suits your silhouette more." So it's also how you want them, how you want the ladies to sit. How often do you have yours measured? Oh. When was the last time you were measured? Can't even remember. Probably 19 or something. Yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> I did go in to a lingerie shop the other day and I tried on. I, I'm not kidding. I probably tried on 12 bras. None of them fit me. What I realised was that I was trying on a B and I'm actually now an A. So that was quite depressing. Oh. And I wondered if having a fitting would... I'd come out with a different answer. But yeah, maybe. But they give you different know. sizes different, in different places. In different ways, like I've yeah. gone from like a 28C to a 30 2A, like that's a huge difference. I yeah, I don't think you're a C astronaut. No, but that's what they tell you. I think they've already said to tell you that to buy more bras. They also <laughs> tell you that your back is broader than you think it is. I think. Yes, yeah. definitely. The width of your back doesn't matter. Does it, it doesn't matter, no. Um, let's talk about boob jobs because Stacey, a couple of people sent me this article. It's like, hmm, that's, that's how much I've been talking about the fact that I have no boobs. <laughs> um, but Stacey Dugan, she wrote a piece in, was it the Sunday Times or the Saturday Times magazine about her boob job? And I was quite shocked. That she's gone from a D to an E. I mean, it sounds big, doesn't it? it really does. Yeah. Did you see a picture? Yeah, you did. And was I, she, did it look good? Or? Yeah, she did look good. I mean, it's not a look that I would necessarily go for. I don't kind of long for massive boobs. I just no. long for something that faces forward. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think they face forward. I think she wanted a lift and she needed an implant, actually, having read the piece. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I think they did. Do you know anyone who's had... I mean, I'm guessing, I'm looking at you, Astrid Amaya, that... You don't know that many people who've had boob jobs. Oh, I know. Oh, I loads, 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 loads. loads. Yeah, loads. And they have them young. Like. Yeah, same. Twenty, early 20s. I have a lot of friends, friends from school who have boob jobs, yeah. Mm. Okay. And do they all look good now? Yeah. Do yeah, any of them regret it? Uh, loads yeah, of mine yeah. regret it. But it was a time when they, they just thought they wanted big boobs. But now they probably don't. Like times change. Yeah. Yeah. It's because I used to work on Grazia, and you see, um, my friend and I were obsessed with her rack because uh, you'd literally see it through the years. You know, she'd be so proud of it and be in a, bus- a bustier. Do you remember it? Like <laughs> yeah. the noughties, yeah. like her boobs just heaving I out do, the bustier. <laughs> just so that it could be with the, the what was it the bo- the bob she had? Do you remember yeah. the special the bob, bob and the pop and the, the pop, and the good. fake boobs? That was like the look it of two thousand and six. I would yeah, when say. she moved to LA, yeah, it was her. I was like matching Birkin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it was not a good look, and I think she must have looked back and just been like, oh god, yeah, like yeah, we need to this. we need to grow the hair and we need to whip those puppies out. <laughs> would you ever have one? Um, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> this links actually awfully to uh, the President's Cup story. Right. Um, it, you know, the uh, the story that was out last mm-hmm. week. And um, 
the, one of the packages was the Spice Up Your Wife package, yeah. uh, plastic surgery package. Um, oh, which, was it? That was yeah. the auction part. Yes. I mean, all the dark sexism aside, um, we must just talk about that pun. It's actually brilliant, but you know, obviously, there's a lot of bad things going on behind the scenes. But uh, it made me think I would have to be on board for my husband to come back with that prize. You know, like you couldn't just go. That's not okay, honey. Honey, I've got I you all you the stuff. You know, like nip, tuck, whatever it is. You'd have to be very, very on board with that. And it did make me think. I think I would try and get something like after breastfeeding. Your, you know, boobs are kind of <laughs> less than what they were, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> um, I would probably get something there and put them back to where they were. Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's like anything like makeup it's like if you've got a spot you just want it to look like you don't have a spot because yeah. mm-hmm. your face was like that yeah. before you had the spot yeah. so in my mind if it's just roughly back to where it was not when I was 17 but you know like just and Stacey's Stacey's angle in the article was can you be a feminist and still have a boob job would you agree that you can yeah absolutely I think feminism isn't about you know what you look like what you do it's, it's just being in control of your body and mm. if you feel that you haven't been influenced by loads of outside uh, influences to have that boob job and you're yeah. going I just want some perkier knockers then it's fine yeah I'd agree I'd agree as well so, yeah I'd agree anyway I enjoyed Rosie's uh, fashion diaries the married mother picking a boob job my friend did ask if that was me <laughs> I, was like, I haven't actually seen a surgeon yet but you know <laughs> give me some time and I might uh, moving on from boobs um, let's talk about contraception and more specifically whether you would rely on an app to prevent an unwanted pregnancy because a number of UK women using the natural cycles app as a form of contraception it's gone from 5,000 last year to more than 125,000 this year and there's been quite a lot in the press about uh, women in Sweden who have got pregnant using it now statistically they say that it is 93% effective versus Mm. the pill which is 91% effective so I think the argument from the app was actually with a lot of people using it that 7% of people are going to equate to some unwanted pregnancies yeah to me it all sounds a bit iffy. Same. What do you think? I don't Well, I I came off the pill about 10 years ago because I couldn't, I just, I felt very uncomfortable using it. Um, mainly, uh, I became a horrible person. Oh, really? <laughs> to everyone in a 100 metre radius of me. So I decided not to take it and I changed overnight and I think that freaked me out a little bit. What but pill were you taking? Do you remember? Microgynin. Oh, that's oh, yeah, the worst. Yeah. The worst one and then it I changed. Is? Yeah, it's the one that they give you like straight away because it's so cheap. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, it made me absolutely mental. Really? Yeah. Like a horrible person. Well, maybe that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, and I, a lot of friends have gone along the same thing. I just not. <laughs> I definitely don't want another one. <laughs> I Do you not? Are you done? A lo- oh, God, yeah, the, the gates are closed. Um, hopefully. <laughs> if we're using the right contraception. Yeah, well, be, yeah, careful with the natural cycles. But I would use it. And a friend of mine was telling me about it the other day. She was like, you have to use this app. It's the only thing that has worked for me. You're in control of it. And there's a risk, whatever happens. Yeah. You know, that's the thing to take on board. There's a risk. And condoms, the reporting on the things that don't work out there it's not happening because it's not a new thing but it's a new app so obviously I think I agree with you that there'll be you know that 7% will be a bit knocked off and I think people listening it works because it takes your temperature every day yeah um, and as you approach ovulation there's a spike in your temperature um, and that's how that's how you know you're hot to trot or not so Anna's just handed Evie over to someone in the office (laughs) she's getting a bit restless but yeah I've got a 30 month one we just got to that point Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Point now where she's like, Mm-mm, I didn't know you, and I'm not going to the stranger. Oh, no. it makes it a bit difficult. It's quite nice. You said she's eight months. Yeah, and she won't take bottles, so I have to take her everywhere with me. Oh, like, God. absolutely. I went to an interview yesterday for a radio job, and she was in the studio with me. Oh, <laughs> and it's just, there's nothing I can do, yeah. you know. And um, it's kind of powerful in a way because she's with me, and people, you know, see you as a mother instead yeah. of. Like, you just pretend it's a dirty little secret. <laughs> Not saying that that's what you're doing, but, you know, there's something quite powerful going into these quite male-dominated environments, and you're not the nanny. So, going back to the app, so yeah. you're not so keen. Astrid? No. I like the idea of it when it came out, but, yeah, I'm kind of with you, Myra. I'd be a bit scared. Yeah. It fills me with fear, and I'm actually one of those self-proclaimed regular pregnancy test takers, so are this you? just wouldn't be good for my mental health. You are, aren't yeah. you? I've, you've said I that mean, before. How often? Whenever I... Feel like it's probably been a bit too long since my last period. So is your period quite irregular then? <laughs> Very irregular. So I had the pill for a couple of years, and then I had the implant for eight. No, that's way too long. I would have been really young. I had the implant <laughs> for six, six years actually. Yeah, six years. Um, and that just really scared me. And since I came off of it, because I've been on it for so long. I'm just absolutely ruined. I just can't get anything right now. Yeah. <laughs> Anna, so what have you had in the past? So microgynin, and microgynin and, and nothing. Nothing else. No, uh, the the Roman Catholic method. <laughs> Let's just hope for the best. Um, <laughs> you only got two. Only got two so far, so we're fine. But then, but we have had five miscarriages, so that's you know seven in total, I suppose. Mm. And um, that's the thing that really shocked me is when we started trying to get pregnant was just how incredibly hard it is. Mm. And it's funny hearing the discussion around it because I was so obsessed with like, oh God, you know, what happens? I was taking pregnancy tests all the time. Yeah. And then you go into trying to have children and you're like, why did I spend oh, 10 <laughs> years yeah. freaking out and 5,000 pregnancy tests? <laughs> and I'm like, I can't even get out of yeah. starting blocks. Jesus, yeah. like it's such a strange shift. And meanwhile, my husband's just going... <laughs> I'm just spunking without a condom. It's amazing. I'm like, oh my god! Like they spend their whole lives like, and, and I'm meant to make someone pregnant. Their mentality on a male side. He's like, I'm meant to do that. Yeah, yeah. that is weird. He's like, I've been spending my life trying not to. Trying not to. But I've downloaded the app. Have you? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it because I mean, if we had another child, it wouldn't be a horrendous thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that's something you've got to have in your mind. I yeah. think when you take any kind of risk like that but um, yeah I'm going to do it because like I said Mike going and turn me into Cruella Deville <laughs> I do wonder and do you have very regular periods it's slightly irregular so that makes me a bit nervous so I was going to say if you do have really regular periods I mean I think that's the other thing you discover when you start trying to have children is you can actually only get pregnant six days isn't it it's really yeah. small it's really small yeah. yeah it does not live very long sperm no. live a bit longer yeah and um, or you're, the other way around no, it's family lives longer. Yeah. Family longer. Yeah. And actually, yeah, there are only six days. So yeah. do you, if you're really regular, do you even need an app? Like, you should be able to... Know, if you're Time it yourself. Days, yeah. Then... Oh, anyway. I don't know if I'd want to. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to risk it. Well, I've talked a lot about how I have the coil. And I, think it's, I think it's brilliant. It sounds like that might not be for you. No, I can't. I don't know. Well, yeah, that
What about Viagra? How do you feel about Viagra? Uh, Viagra. <laughs> well, we were saying earlier, it just feels really, it just feels so 90s. I don't know. I just don't, it, for me, it was those like coke and booze fueled parties of the 90s where there'd just be Viagra going around. Well, I mean, I wasn't there. <laughs> that, wasn't, like, that, was, that was me. I was like the linchpin. <laughs> Guys, get it here. Um, but it just, I don't know, it feels so retro. I don't know anyone, I don't know anyone using it. Um, the thing that made me really sad, though, the other day was hearing that um, because of U-porn, uh, impotent, U-porn? impotent U-porn, uh, like porn sites, porn sites. Um, YouTube U-porn? U- okay. It's like YouTube U-porn. Mm-hmm. Uh, impotency in young boys has gone up 150% in the last two years. Because, because of No, because of U-porn. Uh, because they can't find real women attractive. So, so boys, are they're so desensitised oh, towards us. Oh, so God. their teens are starting to use Viagra more. So it's coming back. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's coming back in that age group. And it made me, like, just from a God, maternal perspective, made me so sad, the thought that, you know, with two girls, or if you had two boys, or either way, that our, the boys aren't finding real girls attractive. Mm. I think that's very, very sad. But, yeah, in the last two years, 150%. They just statistic. Yeah. 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 And it's all linked to the rise of U-porn. I mean, that's quite a black mirror in itself, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. Actually, the, the woman at our parenting day who was talking about teenagers, she said two things. Well, a, she said, you think the children aren't teenagers yet? Remember, the teenage brain really kind of starts to happen at 10. So you haven't got that long. And the other thing is, uh, if you think you can just, you know, cross your fingers and hope for the best, uh, you can't. You've got to have your head screwed on and your eyes open and things like porn are out there and you've yeah. just got to, like, deal with it. I mean, yeah. <sighs> It's quite a different spin on being a parent, isn't it? It's not what you think yeah. about when you decide right. to breed. Um, that you have to screen your children from all these things, but I, I think you can't terrifying. screen them. I think you have to inform no. them. I no. think no. that's the them. that's the mm. difference. And can you not? Can you not lock them in a dark room? <laughs> <laughs> anyone? You will not have a phone. Yeah. that's the equivalent of a chastity belt. Tempting. I think on this as well, on the flip side, because I've have come across friends, but in Amsterdam, for example, I've been there with friends before, and, you know, there's sex shops everywhere. They sell Viagra in these sex shops because men think it enhances the experience, but it really doesn't. I read here, it is purely for an erectile dysfunction. I love that we've highlighted the same point, so Maya and I both <laughs> highlighted, if a man isn't in the mood, it won't do anything. <laughs> no. So you've got to buy that sexy pill. I just basically. presume you pop the pill. It just gives and you a We used to live above Weird. the happy sex shop in Amsterdam's red light district, so I, I lived there for five years, and uh, you would see the guys yeah. trundling in on the EasyJet flight, 610 flight, oh you knew the gosh. exact flights, going in, going to the happy sex shop, picking up all their stuff, going off to uh, prostitute around the corner Uh, and we were just living there like normal people I had a dog a beagle we'd walk around and uh, I I became desensitised to it all I didn't see what was happening after a while it was really bizarre I I was not looking it was just I was walking my dog in the red light district Um, my boyfriend (laughs) lives there and it does become I mean he's only been there for six months and how how long did you say you lived there five years five years so that's yeah a really long time and I already feel like it's just normal. And there's all these women in the windows just walk past them. When I first went, I was like, oh, God, this is so uncomfortable. I hate it. But it really does become the norm. You're so right. But you're really showing Amsterdam to me. It is, the rest of it is amazing. amazing. And, uh, Absolutely. He doesn't live in the sex district. He was, lives in Kaiserskrupp. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's where our house is. Oh, really? Yeah, we oh, bought a house oh. there. Um, but the interesting thing was there was a former Red Light District worker who ran handjob workshops um, to help oh, talking about. Sorry, oh. can you just say that again slowly? Handjob workshops. Yeah, she was married to a gigolo and she was incredible. She's called Cora Emmons and she's she's a fantastic woman. Right, I think she's, uh, she's absolutely brilliant. And she um, her whole thing is she got sad about the whole rise of Viagra and all of the, the porn.
porn side of um, the sex industry. She said what she was faced with as when she used to work as a red light district worker was sad, lonely men. She said that was the that's, core of it. It was yeah. disconnect between a woman and a man, usually, mm. that drove them to me. And they weren't coming to me in some sordid way. They were lonely. And so her whole focus is on bringing women, saying, look, her, she opened up the, the handjob workshop with the hand. <laughs> the, we all had these dildos. Like, and it was all very... Oh, like, you went, did you? Oh, yeah, I went. Uh, <laughs> but I was working for Time Out Amsterdam then, so I was the vice editor. So I sat there with my notepad. And the fascinating thing was is that they were all business women. You know, they wanted to connect more with her husbands. And uh, she opened up the, the workshop with, the handjob is the lost art of the sexual world. Oh and she gosh. said, we don't do it because we don't have the confidence to do it because obviously the man knows how to do it. But if we can crack it, if we can. <laughs> and today, ladies, I feel we can. And it was like, and her husband, the gigolo, was sort of like stood next to her going, honestly, if you can do this, the is connection you'll have. Is she demonstrating on her husband, the gigolo? No, no. Yeah. On, we've all got these, like, you know, everyone's in there, like, Karen Millen business suits. <laughs> just sitting there with a glass Karen of Prosecco. Karen Millen is delighted you brought them conversation. <laughs> Sorry, Karen Millen. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was. But it was fascinating because actually, she wanted to stop men feeling they had to use Viagra and prostitutes, and mm, I, that yeah. was a serious message yeah. and something that was delivered with a bit more heart. So uh, yeah. anyway, I don't know how we got onto that. No, I but. think I think that's it's a really interesting topic actually. From Viagra to makeup on the tube, one contentious topic to another. Yeah. Um, so to give you a bit of background, we wrote a piece for and against as to whether you should do your makeup on the tube. We have talked about it on the podcast before. We talked about it at length because mm. the feedback that we got from our readers. What were people saying? I mean, just outrage that someone might judge you for doing your makeup on the train and outrage for the fact that you might think it's okay to do your makeup on the train. Well, it was a real you, mixed bag. But hasn't everyone here put some makeup on on the train yeah. at some point? I, I, I think you talked about you know, doing your nails, plucking your eyebrows, some guy picked his nose all the way to Wimbledon. I mean, you know, there were <laughs> Yeah, different... somebody was clipping their nails. That really, yeah, that freaked right. me out. There's much. like bodily hygiene and makeup, yeah. you yes, know. Like, I don't feel that strongly about it. What about you? No, like, I think, you know, when you, I mean, to be honest, just to be able to put makeup on on the train, now I have a child would be I mean it's, it's a dangerous risky well, little game with one on, <laughs> on your arm like mummy's just gonna put her mascara on okay you don't, don't hit me on the head um I yeah it's fine and I was saying uh, earlier that in Amsterdam uh, I got stopped um because the Dutch are brilliantly direct whereas the Brits would be like so I love your idea um it's great but how about we try it like this the Dutch would be like I don't like your idea yeah <laughs> it's not good <laughs> okay and you take it's, efficient. it's efficient and it works so like I was there five years and I came back to London I was like why are we not just saying what we think how we feel yeah and it was the same there with anything on public transport whereas you know in the UK we all just quietly sort of stay to ourselves and in Amsterdam they're like hey you you you're put, putting your, your your makeup on it, they he, he just was quite like you know this happened to you yeah yeah and I was visibly shaken by it and what were you like, Tube, uh, the yeah, tra- like the tube, Sorry, yeah, yeah, the metro, right, right? Exactly the same, and it's not packed or anything. It's not like in the morning, but and you're sitting there, mind your own business, yeah, putting makeup on, yeah. And you just, I looked around. Just, is, he talk- is he talking to me? Because I'd been doing it in London, and it was fine. I wasn't exactly putting on a full face, you know. It was just topping up mascara, and it's like not here, not here. And I didn't have the balls to ask why not mm. here you know I just was like shame I was like this is awful I must, this is a terrible thing to do well, shame on him for even yeah. thinking yeah, about shame on him yeah it was weird but then maybe it feels like a personal thing it feels like I don't know for him it was maybe the equivalent of me putting I mean I think unless the line is unless you are like putting an aerosol on that yeah. affects people around you or perfume I have a problem or with that varnish, yeah. Yeah. or nail varnish yeah. or your 
like <laughs> clipping something from your nails. Yeah, I mean, no, that's not okay. That's the line. Like if you're like tuning those things, then that's bad. But chopping up makeup, I think. Oh my god, I would totally do that. And a lot of the feedback was from mothers saying, I mean, if there's any chance of me having any makeup, it's because I'm putting it on. I did one eye. You know, I wear like a cat's eye flick. You got two on today. You got two on today. I did, but I did one full eye and completely got distracted and did the other one. And then it's only when you go to do an Insta story or something, you're like, oh my god, unhinged. (laughs) Unhinged is looking back at me, and I think trying to do a cat's eye flick on the on the tube is a risky little thing. It's ambitious. Let's talk about uh, jobs to consider if you're looking for a career change. We wrote this very much thinking about mothers because a lot of mothers, after they've had children, you know, they don't get back to work because they don't want to, or the numbers don't add up for a lot of people, or they realise that they can't have two of them in a family with really, really demanding jobs. Um, What's your view on that? You obviously didn't go back after having children. You became a blogger after you'd had May. No, uh, yeah, after May. So I worked up until she was three, and then quit uh, my job when it couldn't work around uh, their childcare, basically. And that was the reason? Was that... Do you mind me asking, was that a financial decision or yeah, it was, wanting some more time with them? Or Yeah, well, it was. Uh, I was seeing May maybe sort of 10, 15 minutes a day and I was working five days as a copywriter at the L'Oreal Group and uh, they're great. I didn't leave because they're not worth it. Uh, <laughs> and I, I continue to work with them a lot, freelance, but it's, uh, we, no, we, have, we have a good, very good relationship. Um, and, uh, but it was, uh, I think what a lot of companies struggle with, and they've admitted they do too, is that uh, they couldn't open the floodgates to everyone else. So if they give me some flexibility, then sure. other people would be like, oh, I need that. And my point on a larger scale was that's, uh, for me, I feel like uh, my sort of way of working is being determined by someone else's ovaries, mm-hmm. which is a little bit strange. <laughs> so I quit uh, the next day, and that's when I started Mother Pucker was the day I put a post up just saying I quit today with nothing to go to uh, because the system for me isn't working um, and May was calling for my mum in the night because she was looking, doing so much of the childcare not me she didn't mm. want me to cuddle her and I was just a bit broken mm. at the time and when I put that post up much I'm sure like when you put the post up about makeup and suddenly on the <laughs> tube and suddenly people go yeah it's fine and there's a lot of opinion around it it just opened up the floodgates I think to a lot of other mothers who were in the same predicament same situation uh, and couldn't see a way out yeah so you've become a blogger and a very successful blogger are there other paths you might have gone down you know we wrote a piece on on things that you can do that might be tutoring that might be nutrition um that might be becoming a virtual assistant working for digital mums are there careers you've seen your peers do that you think fit in particularly well with life as a mother for those mothers that aren't going to get back to those really full-time jobs that give them 15 minutes with their children at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I had lunch with my dad the other day, and he, um, I think, came up with the best uh, example. He said, I think the terminology around how we work, not just as mums, but as people, is wrong. He said it should be job pairing, not job sharing. You know, you're pairing two brilliant minds together. Mm. It's not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. And actually... Yeah, I love that. Um, he was so right. He was, he's he? so bang on the money. Two skill sets. Yeah. Like, we're seeing this whole thing as a thing to be feared. Like, oh, God, you know, it's just a motherly, mother thing. When actually, no, if yeah. if Sam wants to go and walk Pedro the dog in the morning and he prefers working till 8 p.m. at night because he doesn't have kids to work, pick up, then that's fine, too. If Sandra and Sally feel that they both can be... I think there's an example at Lloyds Bank uh, with the two HR directors directors they job pair or job share and it's uh, productivity on that role and the experience they bring to that role has pushed 
that department to a place that it never was three, four years ago when it was one person. Amazing. There. So I think that especially when mothers, I, my experience of mothers is oh, they, they go above and beyond. Above and beyond. And actually, you're getting two people going above and beyond. It's not just two skill sets. Because it's if you give some, if you dangle the carrot, which is simply you can, you can spend more time with your children. You will do anything. And I don't say it just in terms of children. I think a really strong point was made the other day. I want, so there was a guy who works for Virgin Money and he was saying, I want to see my PA become engaged to her boyfriend, not disengaged. And I thought that was a really powerful thing. Yeah. He said, I'm behind her. I want to be at her wedding. And he said, there was a point where Sweet. she was it's working for me till two in the morning. And I'm like, there's got to be a line here. You know, and I think that's what we're trying to push yeah. is it's not about parents. Treat people as people, as humans, and you get so much more back. And yeah, it's not definitely. just me saying it. It's the, the stats are out there, mm. the examples are out there, but businesses are very reluctant. Mm. Um, and I think we're just in a transition phase. But well, um, yeah, I think you're so right. We definitely are in a transition phase, which is exciting for... Douglas Copeland said the other day, I think we'll look back at the nine to five like uh, we did child, la- child slavery in the 18th century. <laughs> He's genuinely, it, the nine to five was created in the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> He's like, we're going to look back on it and go, oh my God, we, we sat people at their deaths under strip lighting and, and they travelled for three and hours. And they travelled for three hours day. every day. You know, like, I think, and it's, it's changing, but I think that mindsets have to change um, and it's not about mums. And you think there are other careers that really lend themselves well? If you weren't a blogger, what else would you be doing uh, at think, this stage in your life? Uh, to be honest, just penning words for anyone that would have me. Uh, <laughs> for <laughs> just, uh, you know... Turning out, turning out the pros. <laughs> well, you're in a fortunate position now to be working with some really incredible brands, and you know, it's incredible you've made that happen. And um, you saw the opportunity, so massive credit to you. And I love your current partnership with the Food Doctor. Tell us about that and how it came about. Someone said to me the other day that you seem so happy all the time. I'm like, I'm just really not. I like, but there's a difference between happiness and positivity. I think. You know, I'm on my last wet wipe in some rank public toilets with Eve, and I'm like, this is a point where I could laugh or cry. And it's at that point where you just go, okay, this is just something to put on the girls' WhatsApp group. So I've had a really <laughs> horrendous day, and uh, Eve is now in the Tate Gallery as she was uh, a couple of weeks ago, wearing two of my and other stories glittery socks because I forgot a baby grove. <laughs> Literally, she was wearing stockings. And, <laughs> And I'm I, glad I'm not the only one who can get stuff. I was just like, I haven't, you know, it's not about being happy all the time. But I think that's, uh, like, when the food doctor got in touch, like, I think there's a lot about influencers partnering with brands and, you know, there's a lot of angst around the hashtag ad and are people selling out and all of this. But um, I think, A, I'm a mum and I do need to feed my children and pay the mortgage, you know. That's, that's number a reality, one, yeah. a reality. But to, to do that is when a brand comes along and actually hits the points that we kind of hit, then it's like, well, that's a natural partnership. Yeah. You know, I'm not just flogging, uh, flogging anything for the sake of it. The, the fact is they came to me and they're like, okay, we've done this research about guilt and, um, and then we think that small bite-sized sort of chunks of positivity along the way mm-hmm. can help you allay that kind of like overwhelming sense of, oh, I haven't responded to the 5,000 WhatsApp messages lurking. I haven't gone for a run this morning. I haven't, you know, I ate five cronuts instead of uh, my muesli, you know, like <laughs> when the day is spiralling. And that's what I think really hit home for me is how can you claw back that's like control over things mm. how can you feel less rubbish about you? yourself um, so <laughs> one of the small points is actually the opposite of Black Mirror is stop looking down um, I, I did this last night by the way I was reading about this and I, 
I did this and I felt better. I, you just I really did. It's what simple. You, you just oh, look I up. Just, my desk last night, thinking I've got a shitload of work to do and I just really want to go to bed. And one of the jobs was to prepare for today, so I was really nervous <laughs> and I just... I just literally put my head back and my neck. I don't know why. I was putting my neck back and looking. And I looked up at my corner thing, and <laughs> felt quite nice. <laughs> and and I was like, "Oh, I feel a bit better." Uh, honestly, that that happened. So and it's like just tr- stopping yourself from soon you get off the tube to you know you go straight to your phone. Don't go to the black mirror. Yeah. Go to the blue sky. <laughs> yes, you were saying, what's the thing you can do on your phone? So Moment is the app that I use. Right. Uh, that uh, it is a bit. It's it shames you. It says you were on your, and it's terrifying. The first day I did it, it said you were on your phone seven hours, 15 minutes yesterday. Oh, God. Mine's literally really high. You are an it's, influencer, so. Yeah. But it's still, it's like, when you're with your children as well. Yeah. Like, that's quite a terrifying ratio. Mm, yeah. So so um, we're looking up at the sky. We're taking a deep breath. Deep breath. That's number tip one. number one. Um, number two is, uh, you know the, you know when you get the angst, the guilt of the people you haven't phoned, like Auntie Janet and Granny, and, like, there's just a list of people that you just kind of keep at the back of your mind. You're like, I know I need to tackle that at some point. And I don't mean it in a negative way way but just in terms of like it can weigh you down because yeah. you want to not just the people that you don't want to just pick up the phone to and go hi yeah okay i hope you're okay so i've got to go now because i'm on the tube the people you need to invest maybe 30 minutes 40 minutes in a conversation but you put it off because you don't have that in your day i try and do one a one person a day on my lunch break and it really you're a good person Anna. you do one every day every day and it means it can mean just repeating a phone call to my mum but it changed everything for me because I had a list of 20 people that I felt I wasn't investing enough in mm. and you do have the time I'm like you know messing around on the internet a lot yeah, of the time and yeah, yeah. um, it really changed that guilt and that sort of sadness where I felt oh god no I'm just, just too a bit of happiness you just feel yeah. a bit yeah, just, you just like you know, it. And you can be honest after 10 yeah. minutes, oh, I'm, you know, got to get on the tube or whatever, but that changed a lot. Um, and uh, when I was in Amsterdam, the thing I used to do was um, I used to cut up little bits of apple and have peanut butter, like, just in my bag so that I would always, like, I was always so keen initially to reach for the bad stuff when I was breastfeeding and when I was feeling a bit rubbish. Um, and so just anything snacky, like I've been eating the, we were just saying, the smoked edamame mix from oh the God, food doctor. so good. Like, you don't, like, yeah, they, they fix things. And it's they're like, so good. You sent us some in advance of today, and I have to say, um, they didn't stay in our office kitchen very long. But I'm really with you on that, and I think it seems such a trivial thing, but someone said to me once, it's just not worth it. And sometimes... Yes, you want a treat, but sometimes the guilt of the treat isn't worth it. So I'd rather have a healthy snack like a food doctor thing. Mm, yeah. I haven't been paid to say this, but I, <laughs> that is very much my mentality. I'm like, don't make yourself a crap. Just have something like that that feels like well, a bit of a treat. Just making sure you have stuff on you. That's yeah. it. It's often just practicality. It's like if you've got something, mm. and I, I treat myself to, you know, the, in the metro, the, the love messages, the love board, mm, yeah, yeah. which I think I made up, but um, I'll give myself a feeling that there is love in the world. Well, Anna, thank you so much so for nice joining us. We so enjoyed it having it's you been emotional oh, <laughs> we've, we've, yeah anyway it has and lovely to have you Lee. she's cheered up our day having a little baby yeah. she's been very well behaved the rusk is everywhere the rusk <laughs> is everywhere uh, but that's it for this week if you enjoyed that then do please rate review and subscribe on itunes see you next week hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 